Hey everybody, thanks for listening to this episode of My First Sketch. I'm Josh Hyam. If you haven't done so already, you can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, SoundCloud, get it automatically. If you like the Stitcher app, you can find it there as well. It'd be really cool if you rate it five stars and leave a review on whatever platform you choose. Like the podcast on Facebook at facebook.com slash myfirstsketch. Follow along on Twitter at myfirstsketch. Head to myfirstsketch.com where I'll post anything about today's episode. Occasional blogs, some videos, some stuff to look for there. Any questions, thoughts, recommendations, feel free to email me at josh at myfirstsketch.com and I'll get back to you as soon as I can. We continue to spotlight some of our friends at Sketchfest Seattle, which will take place over two weekends, September 5th through the 7th and September 12th through the 14th. You can find out all the information you need about that festival at sketchfest.org. Yeah, they were the ones that got that domain first. Today's guest is Mandy Canales the creator of a one-person show, Cheerspear. Mandy will perform Cheerspear at Sketchfest Seattle on Thursday, September 5th at 8.30 p.m. Mandy's first sketch is called Numbing. Mandy reads the role of T and I read the role of M. And I'll give you all the visual information you need to know. So let's go to the sketch. Kitchen on Monday evening, reviewing the, the news while making dinner. T is enjoying a homebrew beverage. M is drinking white wine while chopping a block of cheese. Would you take a look at this? That headline alone. No. Oh, my God. I know. Ashley Graham gets very own Barbie whose thighs touch. I can't believe it. This is... I, I'm i a little conflicted with that. Yeah, like if they let this Barbie's thighs touch. Exactly. Will all the Barbie's thighs touch? Slippery slope. People need to be healthy. Grabs three sticks of butter and drops them into the pan. Begins to rummage in the cupboard. Huh. Women with three pet tigers char- charged with child endangerment. Emma emerges from the cupboard with WD-40 and some matches and begins to light the stove. If she is three, she probably knows what she's doing. M cleans the WD-40 can with a rag and casually throws it dangerously close to the stove along with the can. Who would get a tiger without knowing what to do with it? She obviously must know. I don't know why they would second guess her. M takes a pile of hamburger meat from the refrigerator and begins to work it. Oh, New Zealand earthquake leaves three cows stranded on an island. No. I know. They have to save them. We can't just let them die out there. What does the rest of the article say? They're not sure if they can be saved. M walks over to T and the computer to take a look for themselves. Is is there is there a fund we can donate to? It doesn't say. Oh god, that really stresses me out. <sighs> they both reflect on the moment then M turns and walks back to the food prep. T composes themselves and they read the next headline. Woman who drove off cliff with twin sister arrested for murder. Again. 
M turns, grabs a glass of wine, and runs to look over T's shoulder. Again? She should have been locked up. Exactly. It's a disgusting world. How? It's just disgusting. Devastating. Those poor parents. Have you seen this ninja? Oh, God. What does he look like? I don't know. He's a ninja. His face was covered? Yes. Could be anyone. M&T's size each other up and slowly circle each other and pause. M slowly turns and walks back to the food prep, looking over their shoulder a couple times. M chops meat loudly and T reads the next headline. White nationalists rejoice. M stops chopping, pause, the silence is deafening. Is there anything about those new baby pandas? I'll check. The end. Hey, Mandy. Hey, Josh. All right. (laughs) So tell me about this sketch. Tell me about dumbing. Dumbing. um, Or numbing or however we say it. Yeah. It was written for a workshop. And it was one of my first sketch comedy workshops that I took. And we were writing, I think it was maybe a four week workshop and we were writing a couple of sketches a week. And now that I'm remembering it, this actually, I had this for a workshop, but I wrote it before I cheated. So (laughs) uh, we were supposed to be writing a sketch a week. Um, but I couldn't think of anything. And so I looked into my um, arsenal, as I like to call it, and I had participated in uh, Red Theater Chicago's writing a play a day challenge. And this actually came from it. Um, the uh, person organizing gave prompts on a daily basis, and they were really, really great prompts. And I think this prompt had something to do with the news or um, some kind of, um, you know, uh, talking about America or, or how you see Americans today. And um, I was getting increasingly annoyed with Huffington Post because <laughs> <laughs> the um, headlines were just ridiculous. And, you know, they grabbed my eye and away from something that I should be paying attention to, like the economy or politics or, um, you know, it was just all these random things that just really didn't matter in the totality of, of my life. And I, I was just continually drawn to them. And I was like, if there are people like this, that's all they read is, are these headlines that make no sense to anybody. And, and so I just threw it together. And within the sketch comedy workshop, I did do a little bit of editing on it. Um, and, it hasn't seen production yet. I don't know if it will, but okay. it was pretty fun writing it because I felt like I was able to get a lot off of my chest from just being annoyed with sure. how, how the news cycle works. Um, and when was this uh, workshop in that you would have represented this? Oh, I think it was like uh, a few years ago. Uh, uh, like and and where? Like, oh, it was in Seattle. It was in Seattle. Okay. Um, I at the Pocket Theater. I do a lot of my work okay. at the Pocket Theater. Um, and yeah, all those headlines are real. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm sure. <laughs> like it was ridiculous. I, I'm sure. I think we can like can it's not just Huffington Post. <laughs> we could like uh, add BuzzFeed to that yeah. list as exactly. well of uh, news sources that are kind of a bummer with their headlines and how certain things go on those websites. Yeah, well, and then also just the positioning of them where you, you just feel like you're being jerked around because it'll be something mm. terrible about our current political situation. And then it'll be like, look at these new tiger cubs. <laughs> and I'm like, that didn't yeah. make me feel better. That made me feel worse. And I really don't know what to do with this information. <laughs> any of it, any yeah. of the information. It's insane. Yeah. <laughs> A key photo of tiger cubs, you know, might be an initial thing, but you're just, at the same time, it's just like, okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> so that was that was the inspiration behind it. And yeah, you said it hasn't been uh, put on stage no, yet. No, no, it hasn't. So put it back in the pile and let's you yeah know, we, get it on stage. Yeah, let's go. I mean, it was it was going to happen <laughs> actually um, a, a year ago, but we decided that there were too many props, like the meat and um, the WD forty and all that kind of stuff. Oh, and, oh yeah, and- yeah. Some like <laughs> yeah, the, I, I think. Uh, yeah, I can see that, but at the same time, I'm I'm a fan of uh, of sketch comedy with props and costumes, mm, so mm-hmm. it really didn't affect me at all. I was like, yeah, okay. <laughs> um, so uh, let's go all the way back to the beginning. Um, do you have like an earliest memory of comedy or something like growing up that really hooked you? Yeah, so um, I actually was around comedy pretty young. Um, I was, I watched a ton of TV. My sister's 10 years older than me. So she had MTV access and I was able to watch it. And so when I was about maybe six, um, I noticed that MTV started playing maybe six or seven, um, Monty Python's flying circus. And, and they had like this whole, you know, British hour, BBC hour, where they would play uh, Monty Python and the young ones. And, her, and I grew up watching that. And that was, it, it was really interesting. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I didn't get any of it, but I, picked up, I was, that, that was the next I, question. I picked up. Yeah. Was how much would you understand? Of- yeah, none, absolutely none. Um, but I picked up the accent, so I was able to practice a diet, you know, a British accent uh, nice. when I was six or seven. And um, I also remember watching Robin Williams um, on HBO because he had okay. a, at the Met, Robin Williams at the Met, and they would play that stand up over and over again. And I would always watch it. It was totally unacceptable for a child of that age to again next question robin williams but for some reason my parents let me i think they were just busy with other stuff mm. um and then uh, also gilda radner those are those are my watching gilda radner on um saturday night live reruns mm. and the characters that she did and so those are the first memories that i had so i felt that i was they're pretty strong <laughs> Yeah, like um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you mentioned young ones. I've never seen the young ones, but I I, I know roughly what it's about, who's yeah. in it. Like, uh-huh. um, yeah, I don't, I I can't fathom seeing that as a seven year old. 
Oh no. And, it, it, and knowing what's going on or no, what's happening. Not. It made and you know, maybe I'm fudging the the numbers a little bit. Maybe I was eight. I don't know. I just know but, my sister. Oh, but I know a little bit older. It doesn't help. <laughs> a little bit, you know, uh more of a veteran. Uh but <laughs> my I know my sister was living with us when I when I watched yeah. it. So I, I that was about the time and and then they would just play the young ones in Monty Python for years and years and years. Mm-hmm. From what I remember, I'd watch it like on PBS or, yeah, um, you know, I'd, I'd catch it. Um, and the young ones was great because it was just like these four cartoonish guys with these British accents. And, you know, it wasn't like Monty Python where they seemed very old and proper. It was they were young kids and they were acting like young kids, college students. And, um, that that was really interesting for me, you know, to see like a punk rocker. You know, I was a suburban kid in Southern California, so to see like all of these oh sure yeah stereotypical tropey um, British um, characters was just mind blowing to me. I didn't know what to make of it. I, I think it's funny that you say that the young ones, you know, felt so much younger than Monty Python when theoretically they probably yeah, were the same relatively age. the same yeah, age when they were exactly. produced. Exactly. <laughs> uh, uh, so uh yeah, so that's a really early introduction to forms of sketch comedy and other bizarre things like <laughs> like I'm used to people's first like memories of comedy being like, you know, some Nickelodeon cartoon or like it perfectly would have been okay if you had said like Tiny Toon Adventures or but like, yeah. if those things are standing out to you that young, that's crazy. To yeah, me. I mean, of course, I watched cartoons, but I, I was a lot more interested in in those. Those are the those are the comedy um, memories that I have that are the strongest. Okay, and then you mentioned uh, Gilda Radner on yeah. Saturday Night Live reruns. I ask everybody. I'm always curious. Uh, who's your favorite Saturday Night Live cast member? Oh, I have to say Gilda. Yeah, as I mentioned her. I mean. It, she she just had this really great creative bent to her characters that I absolutely loved. And they, they were sprawling too. I mean, it was just all over the place. It wasn't just, you know, um, one type of character with just a little bit different dimension. I mean, they were like yeah. children and they were rock and roll stars and, old people (laughs) you know she was just all over the place and uh, i think one of my favorite is um the the character she played i can't remember the name but she's this nerdy character and she and bill murray are nerds together and oh um i i lisa lupner yes i love i love love that one um because it it was just it spoke to me (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I was a little nerdy, not totally nerdy, but I was like, wow, <laughs> made me feel comfortable yeah. watching her. Nice. Yeah, uh, Gilda, Gilda's one that bums me out because, like, you know, uh, just mostly because she, you know, died so young. Mm-hmm. Like, she's one of those cases of, like, what could have been, what could we have, like, what did we miss out on? Oh, yeah, absolutely. If she was able to live another 20 years or so, mm-hmm. like what how like how she would have evolved and like again it was weird because like uh, i think there was a documentary about her on i want to say it was on, like cnn produced it oh, right. uh, yeah 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 
And I didn't really realize that she had done a bunch of movies after Saturday Night Live, like, like in the mid eighties. I, I didn't really know that. And I, I still haven't really watched any of them. Um, but like, I, I, for whatever reason, I assumed like SNL happened and that was it. <laughs> and then like, she went away. Yeah. Like I, I just, I'd never put together that there was more to that career. So, well, I also didn't know that she had married, um, really you hadn't oh wow i like (laughs) i I knew i learned it probably way later than i knew who gilda radner was like and i was already a gene wilder fan and i think i I learned it reading gene's memoirs ah okay like when those came out you know in the early 2000s or whatever it was Mm -hmm. but like that still blew my mind when i found out about it (laughs) but then and then even then i assumed that like oh she met gene and just disappeared into (laughs) playing tennis and, and unfortunately getting sick right but yeah I, I i knew about the the live special that she did in the 80s and stuff like that but like yeah i, I assumed like she burned you know she was a light that burned bright on snl and just disappeared mm-hmm. after that so well this is inspiring me to look more into her because you know i it, it's not like I, I know her biography or anything like that it's just when i thought of you know when i think of comedy i think of her but um yeah i didn't know yeah that, i don't know much at all so I think, yeah, you that, know, I was thrift- the documentary is a little heartbreaking yeah i was in a lie. thrift store and i saw her a biography she wrote an autobiography okay and i didn't buy it and i was like oh this is so cool wow i didn't know yeah one. that's, that's weird like, you should have bought it it's like mm, okay and i put it back on the shelf and I, I remember <laughs> exactly where I was. <laughs> I'm going to yell at you. Say that was a wrong. It was a wrong move. It was a wrong move. But and I should know. I'm a. I, I like. I love thrift <laughs> store shopping. I know that you know if I see something I like, I need to buy it, or else it's going to be gone because that's the nature of the thrift store. That's the nature of thrift <laughs> So I will have to wait. Maybe it'll materialize at some point because I'm not going to buy it off of Amazon. Right. <laughs> Um. Uh, so okay. So growing up with that very odd <laughs> British influence, so young. <laughs> um. Where? What's your first like inclination to do comedy? Um. So I had a friend in fourth grade, and we were like inseparable. And oh, I just remembered. I also watched the monkeys. That was another comedy thing. Okay. Yeah. So anyway. Um, <laughs> Because, okay, in fourth grade, my, my friend Landa and I, we, for whatever reason, wanted to perform the Calvin and Hobbes, like, like a comic, like some of the comic strips. So, we, for I don't know why. I don't know why it sounded like a good idea, but we're like, let's perform this comic strip in front of our fourth grade class. Um, and I had totally forgot about doing it until... Like my fourth grade teacher um, reached out to both of us on Facebook or something and was like, oh, it was really fun watching you two do, do those skits. And we're like, what skits are you talking about? And then it, I remembered it was a Calvin and Hobbes thing. Just wait. So your teacher reaches out like out of out nowhere. Out of nowhere. Like, yeah, apropos it was bizarre. Nothing. I felt very uncomfortable. <laughs> She's a great woman. I But it was it's been a long time. It's it's, it's still, still weird. weird. 
Um, <laughs> so yeah, she reached out to my friend Landa first, and then and then my friend was like, "Hey, um, <laughs> our fourth grade teacher wants to talk to us." I was like, "Okay, <laughs> um, it's a Wednesday," you know, like just bizarre situation, but. Um, yeah, that was like the first time that I had done comedy in that way. And then I, I just watched it. I didn't perform it, um, but it always felt like it was something that I should do. And then in high school, I decided to quit French to take theater. Um, I wasn't okay. doing very well in French. And I, one of my friends was taking a theater class and she was having a lot of fun. And I was like, that's what I want to do. Um, and, and I started out and I did improv and, um, I was somehow taken over to the side or into the area of believing that sketch comedy and improv is not real theater. And okay. yeah, I know. And it, it was really interesting because the reason why I got into theater was because of improv and sketch comedy. Um, because I also watched like Whose Line Is It Anyway growing up, you know, and um, I was just like, here, I can do that here. And then they're like, no, here's a play. Read it. You know, <laughs> here's an Arthur Miller play. Get very depressed by reading it and playing this part. Um, that's theater. So. Yeah, I think um, <laughs> I always I always I. It's weird because like you say that, you know, the idea that sketch comedy and improv is not theater. Mm hmm. And on one hand, I would agree with that, but that's entirely because of the attitudes placed on them by the people that are involved. Like, yeah, like that, you know, you know, that hoity toity, mm -hmm. you know, pinkies up that some people have about theater versus, yeah. you know, a lot of improv can be like, oh, we're just going to, you know, we're just going to, you know, hang out around and play on stage for a while or, you know, sketch comedy can have some kind of lackadaisical feel with certain people but like i always get like there's like an air to theater like yeah well i think you know there can be some lackadaisical feel about theater people as well you know there are plenty of i mean just like anything you need to focus on 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 getting better and there are plenty of people in theater who are just there for the scene or just kind of like you know improv and sketch comedy we have those same folks who are just like oh, i'm just gonna play around um so it's just really interesting how how there's that that feeling for from some people but at the same mm. time i'll talk to some of my actor friends and they're like i would never do improv i could never do it i could never do sketch comedy and yeah. one act one actor i spoke with uh she's a friend of mine for years and i said well why you know i think you should just try it for fun and she's like i don't like to make a fool of myself yeah and that's um <laughs> I was like, that's the air I'm talking about. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Um, okay. But it what was interesting <laughs> is um, I, I was in the theater. So I, I did get a theater degree and I, I worked, you know, I, I kind of did the theater thing and I just wasn't feeling right. I wasn't feeling comfortable. And um, I went to a sketch fest, like, filmed sketch night here in Seattle. Uh, okay. I don't even know where I saw it, maybe on Facebook or if I was looking in The Stranger, which is our weekly magazine. And uh, my husband and I went and it was just the um, filmed sketches 
for that festival. And I was just like, I found my people. It, like the <laughs> light went off. I was like, this whole time I was trying to get into theater, like I should have just been doing sketch comedy because this is what I've been trying to do this whole time. Um, uh, did you have like before that moment, did you have any inclination that there was, you know, live local sketch comedy no. in your area? Uh-uh. I had no idea. Yeah. None whatsoever. That That's kind of the same, like roughly the same token I had where I, I would love to do sketch comedy growing up. And, but I also assumed that meant I had to go to Chicago to go to second city or mm-hmm. New York or LA. Like I didn't know that there was stuff here in Philadelphia until, and they're really like, it was still very nascent and growing at that point. But like, I didn't know there's anything until I was like 23, 24. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So I think, you know, that, that moment of discovery yeah. of finding out that it's here where I am is definitely a, a nice epiphany to have. Yeah, absolutely. And I just started trying to find out as much as I could about it. And I, I signed up for workshops and I got to know people. And um, and then in, in the meantime, I one of my coworkers was taking an improv class and he was talking about it. And I was like, oh, I should do that too, because that's what I like. <laughs> mm. I have fun doing that. So I enrolled in improv classes and you know, it only took me, oh, 25 years <laughs> to figure out <laughs> what I was really, you know, trying to do with my time. <laughs> well, okay. So when you mentioned, you know, working, you know, doing theater stuff, was it mostly like dramatic roles? Uh, like- well, I wasn't acting. And that was the thing is, well, I acted, I acted in a few things, but I, I really tried to be in the background. So I was doing dramaturgy for a while. And um, I don't know if you know what that is. (laughs) Many people do. Um, But they're kind of like editors for playwrights. And they also do a lot Mm -hmm. of research. So I convinced myself I was this editor research person. Because, like, I wasn't connecting to the acting. It's fun. I like it. it's, It's a great escape. And I commend everyone who does it. Um, But I just wasn't feeling like it was something that I needed to do myself all the time and then directing I didn't want to do um tech was just not something I get I get too anxious so I'm not a steady (laughs) hand (laughs) um but I knew theater was was definitely an interest of mine so I um I was like oh well dramaturgs are are part of the whole thing too so I would like insert myself <laughs> and be like I will be the dramaturg for this production <laughs> and people are like oh, I don't know what that is but it sounds fancy and maybe you'll get us a grant you know <laughs> maybe maybe it'll impress some people um to have a dramaturg on our you know did you ever hear of a show getting a grant because oh no <laughs> because of having a dramaturg absolutely like... not I, I never saw the grant <laughs> I don't know what we were all thinking we were just young and you know trying to work it out um i think the most fun i had being a dramaturg though is uh, on a show that is currently running in san francisco called the speakeasy and um it's an interactive play and you walk in and it's like a speakeasy and there are multiple plays going on i actually haven't been myself um because it's too expensive. <laughs> Whenever I visit, I'm like, "Oh, that's a hundred bucks. I can't. I'm no. Um, I should. I should. Oh, goodness, like, I should go. Does it? <laughs> does it include like 
drinks and stuff. I haven't, you know, I looked at the ticket price and I just shut it down. Because <laughs> it better. <laughs> um, at some point I should go, but I did a lot of the research for that. Um, and I think there were maybe a few other folks doing research so to create the script. And so I just dug into the 1920s and the playwright and the director would email me with a list of questions for me to research. And so I would research the, those things and send them to them. Um, okay. So it was, it, it was, I was part of theater, but like at the same time, I really felt like I wanted to do more. I was in this weird spot. So um, I, I was struggling a lot trying to find out where my place was and finding the sketch fest was like such a great moment. Cause I was like, Oh, I can write and I can act in it. And I can, you know, help with, with tech. I can do all these things. Um, mm. So yeah, I'm, I'm pretty happy now. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, you, you've said 25 years to, you know, find your path um, between seeing that filmed, that Sketchfest film festival mm-hmm. to signing up for that, for your first like writing workshop. Like how long of a time is that? Oh, I think it was like three or four years ago. I mean, I mean, like between those two like, oh, things. Um, let's see. Sketchfest happened. And then I think I emailed them maybe a couple of weeks later. And I'm like, when's, you know, how can I be a part of your next workshop? Because they, they had a, a website up. And it turned out they had a workshop pretty, pretty quickly after that. Maybe about a month or two. So. And this is. A workshop at the pocket or it was through Sketchfest, or it was through some folks who, who organized Sketchfest. And okay. it was um it was this I forgot what it's called, but we get together for I think a week and we write and we create a show and we put it up like we we meet on Monday or Sunday and then we put the show up on Saturday. <laughs> Oh, that yeah, quickly. and it's it was it's the um, the writers were all we were all like a, a mix of writers. So some of us were like me, where I'm like, "Hi, I don't know what I'm doing," and then other people mm-hmm. were, you know, veteran sketch writers who who just tore my stuff to part apart. <laughs> it didn't have, okay, it didn't yeah, have any so- game. It didn't have <laughs> any kind of. <laughs> so your first your first experience with sketch comedy of producing it on your own or you know um is within a week yeah (laughs) so what's that experience like for a first timer um well i'm glad i had theater experience behind me so um things like learning lines and performing them on stage those things weren't necessarily a barrier for me Mm -hmm. um and everything else was, I could just roll with it. And that's what I noticed that the newer folks who were participating, that's what they had the most difficulty with was learning lines and acting in front of a audience because they didn't know that they couldn't put their back towards the audience. Um, They didn't know stage direction or things like that. So I walked in with a pretty good foundation um, of of the things that normally scare people. Sure. Yeah. um, I just was a. I was able to just kind of sit and figure out um, how does this writing? How is this writing different than playwriting? 
you know, because I, I did some playwriting in my past and I, it wasn't quite obvious to me at the time uh, that there was such a level of um, math <laughs> and structure involved in writing a sketch. Yeah. Um, I always, I, I always make the joke that like, you know, growing up, I wanted to be a writer and I wanted to write novels and screenplays and here I am just writing sketch comedy because it's so so much shorter. <laughs> yeah. But just because it's a shorter form doesn't mean that there's any less work yeah, involved. <laughs> Maybe less time for sure, but no less work. Yeah. Yeah, you know There's no less art or craft to it. Yeah, you know, at our, at um I was performing the other night in an improv show and we we asked so the, the improv group I'm a part of is called Bitches. And what we do is we ask the audience to name a time that they've been called a bitch or a time that they called somebody else a bitch. They tell the story. We do improv. Okay. Um, so this guy was talking about um, his experience. And then I don't, I think we asked some clarifying questions and he ended up saying like he, he enjoys, oh, we asked him why, why he's here tonight. You know, and he's like, he said he enjoyed improv because that even if it's bad, it's still good. But if if sketch comedy and stand up comedy are bad, it's really bad because the 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 writers took time <laughs> and you would expect something better. So he gets like doubly disappointed when somebody took time to make a bad sketch <laughs> or a bad stand up routine. And we're like, yeah, I, I guess that's fair, fair. enough. Um... <laughs> I, whenever I think of like, like, I don't think it's ever disappointed when I see bad sketch comedy. Like for me personally, it's always like, oh, why'd they do that? Like, it's more curious and questioning than like, oh. Right. Like, when I think that people like us are on the winning side of that because we can go and learn something, (laughs) uh, you know, and, and we can, um, be like, oh, that was an interesting choice, or oh, yeah, I see this. This is a runner coming. You know, like this is going to be a runner, <laughs> or, or, or that's yeah. an interesting escalation. I wonder where that came from. But yeah. for you know the people who don't write sketch comedy, they're just like, why am I here? <laughs> yeah, I, I totally see that. Like, and as much as I I want to champion like community theater and those kinds of things, like I have that same. Uh, feeling about that when you know certain like I you know I'll go to a smaller show like and you know even like below regional or something like it's just you know community theater and like I'm like why do they do it that way yeah. like like I, I mentioned to someone else recently as we were talking about like theater woes and stuff that bummed us out and um we were talking about Avenue Q mm-hmm. the the show yeah with the puppets I haven't and seen it but I'm very familiar with it at the same time and I mentioned that, like, there's one role that has to be, like, there's one role, Christmas Eve, she is played by an Asian woman. Mm-hmm. And the and with the jokes that are written for that character, it has to be an Asian woman. Mm-hmm. This community theater program did not <gasps> cast an Asian woman. Oh. And it completely destroyed the show for me. Wow. Like, there, you know, there's jokes that would be construed as a racist right. or anything. And, you know, the idea that the actress is in on the joke and that oh kind of thing. Oh, my. It was just one of those things, like, you can't do this. Like, this is not, right. like. So, like, every other good performer that was in the show or whatever, 
completely got destroyed by <laughs> this poor casting choice. Oh. Like, but yeah, like the same thing with like sketch comedy with like, oh, why'd you set this up this way? Or where I, su- I, I suppose that dude is that that audience member is correct with, you know, in, like bad improv. Like that's like one of the maybe the benefits of improv being so temporary mm-hmm. and at times is like a bad show just just only took that hour yeah. but the preparation of a bad sketch show takes weeks took weeks <laughs> like yeah you took 6 weeks to make this terrible <laughs> and, show. and this is what you came up <laughs> yeah. with yeah you rehearsed this like <laughs> yeah I, yeah i totally yeah, see that yeah so when the audience member mentioned that I was like, okay, yeah, yep, totally, yep. <laughs> and it, it kind of like helped me be a little bit more free in that show because I was just like, you know what? I didn't plan any of this. Like I already knew that, but it, it just, it kind of set me free a little bit <laughs> to perform that evening. Yeah. Um, how long does it take you to uh, ingratiate yourself into the sketch and improv community after that first workshop? Like how like how soon do you completely dive in? Um I I dove in pretty quickly, but it's still taken a while to establish myself. I got some folks sure. together for a like we try to do I try to do a sketch comedy group with some people I knew. And we did one show and I think, I think what's really great is, you know, in Seattle, we have the theater, um, the pocket theater and this theater is incredible as it does kind of dedicated months to certain topics. So we had sketch month in May and we'll have solo month in October. So people do solo shows, um, improv month in January. And during that time, running up to those those months, uh, if you're on the email ser- uh, listserv or if you're on their Facebook, it, it'll just you'll you'll see notices like, "Did you sign up yet? Did you sign up yet? Anybody mm-hmm. can perform, you know." And we have workshops and we have parties, and this is going to be great. And um, and that really inspired me to just get people together and and write something and perform. So we performed for sketch month and it didn't really last very long um, because after, after that, I realized that I need to be more um, particular about who I write with and who I perform with, because even though folks are my friends, they may not have the same humor as I do. Um, And it took that dry run to, to recognize that. And at first I felt a little bad about it, but then I was like, eh, it's just business. You know, (laughs) um, if we're not laughing at the same things, it's going to be hard for us to write. Um, and I don't mean that we all need to be, I don't know, laughing at the same inside joke. It's good to have somebody who is, um, you know, a, a, a person who, who looks at things objectively. Um, but if if you really don't have the same humor, you probably shouldn't be in a group together. Um, 
So I just kind of hung out doing workshops and meeting more people. And um, the solo month came around after um, after a year or so. I, I noticed it and I was like, I'm going to do it. And I signed up for it. And that's when I wrote um, Cheer Spear, which is in the Seattle Sketch Fest. And so, Great. So, yeah. Um, yeah, you perfectly transitioned to me to my next question. <laughs> Uh, so tell me about Cheer Spear. So Cheer Spear is, um, the, the summary is that the cheerleading coach has, um, been given the task of training the drama kids for their Shakespeare competition because their teacher left. Okay. And, um, it's, you know, it, it real it's, not rocket science. <laughs> no. Because I have uh, this cheerleading coach who um, has a bit, she has a Southern accent and she's a little ditzy. And you think it's, you know, she's not going to know anything. And turns out she studied for over the weekend and, and she's able to answer all the kids' questions. And I just gave away my ending. But. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, do you perform the entire show as the cheerleading coach? Is that like the conceit? I do. I do. Um, her name is Miss Jackson Okay. and, um, she can be insufferable and, (laughs) and my throat hurts after I finish, um, performing, performing her because, um, I'm using uh, a Southern dialect. I'm not sure from where. I don't know if it's like East Texas or <laughs> Tennessee or anywhere. I'm not sure. It's just one of these kind of general dialects. And, yeah, it's the um, same thing with British accents where like to an American, every British accent is a British accent. But yeah. Them, it's, you know, there's 17 regional a- accents and same thing with the South. Yeah. And so I don't know who I'm I'm, I'm performing, um, but yeah, I get tired. She definitely tires me out. Um, but I actually do do a British accent um, in the show. And I talk about the different British accents in the show because we're talking about Shakespeare. Um, so I do label some of the, the ones that we as Americans maybe don't think about, (laughs) you know, the difference between a Cockney and Mancunian and Scouse and the Geordie and. Yeah. That's the one like, I've I've taken recently to watching a bunch of British panel shows on YouTube and stuff. And oh, like, they're they're great. What's your favorite one? I love uh, those shows. Cats Let's Countdown. It like Cats Let's Countdown and the Big Fat Quiz are my two like go tos. I love all the time. Um, what is it? Is it Nine Out of Ten Cats? Is that it? Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I watched the spinoff of that where they play the the game show Countdown. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah. Okay. Whenever they do jokes about like accents and stuff and mentioning all that stuff, I'm like, I have no clue what you're talking about. Yeah. But okay. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. I love those panel shows, but I'm glad we don't have them here because they're so British. They're so British. Like, I don't, yeah, it I don't would know. not work here. At yeah. All. I don't know if Americans would really understand it. <laughs> yeah. It's a format that definitely wouldn't catch on here, I don't think. No. Unfortunately. So. We'll just have to keep watching BBC <laughs> for ITV. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So you have, uh, so tell me about the creation of this. I mean, you, you mentioned you do it for the, the solo oh, yeah, yeah. month. So um, where does the idea come from? The idea came from it's a little bit of, so 
I wanted, I've been wanting to read more Shakespeare. I don't know why, maybe because I'm getting old. Maybe, maybe um, I don't feel I know it well enough and I don't um, for a theater major anyway, I should probably know more. Um, so I was just thinking like, eh, it wouldn't be bad to go over and read them or, you know, make sure I watch some in the coming year. And at the same time, I was having a discussion with a friend of mine about cheerleading because um, we, <laughs> I don't know how we got on the topic. How, how do you ever get on topics? Um, but we were talking about how Seattle has a cheerleading squad and they show, it's not the Seagulls. They don't go to major sports events. They go to parades and it's, it's very much a, a philanthropic effort. So they raise money for different organizations. And hmm. it's just uh, a large team. And I think they go to maybe some low-key competitions or performances or something like that. But um, <clears throat> my friend, he was, a, he was a cheerleader in high school and college. And so we were talking about it. And then he revealed to me that he had this um, goth cheerleading group in Seattle in the 90s. And I forget what it was called, but I thought it was the coolest thing ever. And I was like, we have to try out for this cheerleading, the Seattle cheerleading group. We need to get in and we need to infiltrate and make them like do some kind of dance to Depeche Mode or, <laughs> or The Cure or something. And it was just kind of like a running joke. And I think we took it seriously for about two weeks and it just didn't happen. Um, but this cheerleading thing kind of stuck. And as I was just kind of free writing one day, I just started thinking about what it would be like, uh, you know, cheerleading coach and Shakespeare. They just kind of came together and, mm -hmm. and yeah, I just started writing and, and, and sculpting this kind of scary situation where this person who doesn't, wasn't really trained in the, the, um, curriculum is given this task to um, help people achieve their goals. <laughs> and, um, so how do you go, like, what's your process for writing? Um, are you like playing like in front of a mirror, like improving your way through it? Or is it all just sit down in front of a computer? Uh, a little bit of everything, really. Um, I do a lot of free writing in character. So I will either improvise um, out loud um, or I will, I will just take out my pen and paper. I, I, and I like writing with pen and paper first and then transferring onto the computer because it, for whatever reason, it feels a lot more, um, I, I guess less oppressive maybe <laughs> the computer. You know, yeah. I, I think I need to start doing that <laughs> because like, like I'll call myself a writer, but there's nothing I hate doing more than typing on, oh, the, key, like, on the keyboard of it. Like there's something just so physically just like oh, it's not, awful yeah, to me it's about not it. Like, it's not more romantic, you know, it doesn't conjure these <laughs> amazing ideas of what writers are, you know, like you want your paper and your pen, your candles and whatever. And, you know, your white screen staring back at you doesn't really, <laughs> it's not very inspiring. Um, so I, I, I start out on pen, pen and paper 
and just kind of scribble. And then once I feel that I, I have something, I type it because I'll lose that piece of paper. Um, I won't lose my mm. computer. Um, so then what ends up happening is I, for this particular one, I wrote three sections and just expanded on those sections. I, I thought about which plays I really wanted to talk about, which plays that I felt a connection with and that, um, some, some people might have a connection with not, um, and then also thinking of myself as a theater nerd and a dramaturg and how I like to research and I like the nerdier side of things. So I didn't want to leave that out. I didn't want to, I ended up, um, writing about, uh, Macbeth, Henry V and Hamlet. And I didn't really want to write about Romeo and Juliet or Midsummer Night's Dream or anything any of those. So those are my, my top three that I wanted to write about because they were more interesting to me. And, um, yeah, I just played, <laughs> I just played. Nice. Yeah. Um, it was, imp- it was just a, a mesh of improv and free writing and then sitting down and actually, um, kind of crafting. So how, like, how how did it go the first time? It went really well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the first time, I didn't know what to expect. Um, luckily, I had an audience of um, sketch comedy people. Um, as you know, they laugh harder than anybody else. Um, that's what I've seen anyway. Is they're just they just want to laugh and they're there for you. So it was it was great to be able to perform in front of them first. Um, and you know, afterwards people got nerdy about it. Like, you know, Oh, I saw the game and escalation <laughs> and you know, all this kind of stuff. Um, the second time I did, it wasn't great because it was actually in front of an audience that who was mostly theater people. And I think mm. they might've taken it the wrong way. Yeah. Um, because uh, I essentially am saying, I mean, it's what I believe. I believe theater is for everyone. I don't believe that you you need to have a degree or whatever. I feel like you should be welcome in any theater that you, you choose to go to. Um, I don't believe there's a dress code. I don't believe there's any kind of credential you need. You should be able to participate if you want to. And um, I was performing in front of folks and I was saying things like, I mean, this character says that she studied over the weekend, so she thinks she got it. And, you know, she, <laughs> she just cracked open a few Shakespeare books and, and then she was suddenly able to, you know, discuss dialects and motivation for Henry V, you know. And so I, I was wondering if maybe they felt belittled but at the same, at the yeah, same like, time, I also wonder if they were even expecting that because the the performance had three people, had three solo shows, and two, the first two were very dramatic, um, very good, very well written, but just very dramatic. Oh, no, they were the last two. So they were expecting their friends. They went to see their friends, and their friends were amazing okay. shows. And, but before they got to see their friends, they got to see this sketch comedy show with this woman in a bright pink zip up jacket, screeching at them <laughs> in a Southern dialect and making them cheer. So 
Yeah, the when you mentioned that the second performance didn't go yeah. so well, like in my head, I'm I I'm thinking, oh, either the theater people yeah. came and thought that, like I immediately went to that, and that there was a programming issue that it was just in a in a weird slot yeah. somewhere. Like, both, like those are always both my of concerns. the things happen. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, honestly, I didn't, I didn't, I don't know what the theater people thought. They were probably just taken off guard, you know, like, I don't know if any of them were like, how dare she? Um, I think yeah. maybe they were like, I thought this was supposed to be dramatic. <laughs> yeah. This is, this yeah. is theater. Or like... even like our friends shows are dramatic. Why isn't yours dramatic? What's happening? Are there any other projects that we're missing that we've skipped over? So project wise, um, I have so I'm a writer outside of being a sketch writer I'm I'm a, a I write essays and I write fiction and um, oh, yeah. I have an essay that's going to be coming out in a literary magazine in I don't know when I talked to my editor today and it just seems like it's I don't know if it's ever going to be published <laughs> it's, I'm sure it is but it feels <laughs> like the process has been very long um but that'll come out at some point this year, I believe. Um, and it's been great working with an editor. Um, I never really understood what it was like to find a good editor until I started working with this person. Um, because he just pointed out stuff that I was like totally unaware of. Um, so, that Yeah. You don't know that you've been working with a bad editor. Until yeah, you get to yeah, exactly. Editor. And, um, and so it was really great working with, with this person and um, hope I, I don't know when I should ask him <laughs> when it's going to be published. <laughs> I, I've just been kind of like going along with it because I, I feel so uh, blessed to have been accepted. And so I'm like, sure, whenever, you know, <laughs> we'll, we'll, yeah. we'll edit this forever. But um, it's close to being finished. So I think it'll be published within the year. Um, and then cool. I just have I have my my improv group, Bitches that you know we're always trying to uh is that always the question when you mention like when something that you, when is it sometime that you've been called a bitch or called someone a bitch like is that always yeah your jumping off yeah. point for their shows yeah and yeah. it's amazing what you hear um <laughs> oh yeah it's a way it's a way better uh entry point than hey just name something right. that's in your purse yeah like, we wanted we definitely wanted an angle <laughs> Um, and it makes marketing really fun too. <laughs> so as we wind down here, I always ask the two things. I always try to get deep as we get close to the mm. end. Um, <laughs> not, you know, like, I mean, within reason. Uh, so you, you know, came as a theater person, you, you know, worked as a dramaturg, you, you stepped into improv and, and sketch. What's something that comedy has taught you in the time that you've been doing comedy? Uh, and I mean that like, it could be just a, a, tr a trick of the trade that you would tell a new writer or something like existential, you know, something life giving that comedy has taught you. I, I feel like the, I feel like comedy has given me the grace to take risks and fail gracefully. Um, and, and, really accept failure or I don't want to say failure, but like different 
a different outcome than what I expected to, to accept a different outcome from what I expected and be okay with it. Mm. Um, I, I see that in improv all the time, um, in sketch comedy, you know, I will write something that I think is funny, but then bring it to a writing group and I don't get the same reaction, <laughs> but it's okay because there are other people there who are willing to work with me and help me out. Um, and, and that has taught me a lot that I'm not by myself. So I think those are the things that I, I take away from, from comedy is, is just this, this freedom that I didn't really know before. Everything was very serious before. And, and now I just look at it like, well, I'll just try it again, or I'll just kind of pick myself up and move forward. Um, and I, th I think everyone should take an improv class <laughs> or a sketch comedy class. Um, yeah. just because of that, it's really, it's strengthened my character in that way. Cause I was before really working in comedy, I really felt afraid to take risks. And now I just, um, I mean, I'm not like stepping in front of cars or anything, but, um, I'm, I'm definitely, I'm okay with, with, you know, taking a, a different path than other folks. Mm. I mean, you, and you kind of mentioned it uh, throughout a couple of different parts of the, the interview. Uh, why spend your time on comedy? I just, um, it feels right. <laughs> feels right. Um, you know, I've tried to write drama and it just feels melodramatic. Um, mm. And I just, I see the world through a lens that, I, I sometimes I can't stop laughing because of, of how I see things. And I think people should really look at the absurdity of life and, and look at those little things that just make life a little bit strange in a different way than terrifying <laughs> strange. <Yeah. laughs> because I think if people started paying attention to those things, um, I think we would all kind of walk through the world with a little more lighter and a little bit more accepting. And when I do write, I try mm. to bring those things to the surface as much as possible. Here's this thing that's a little weird, but we all do it. So let's just laugh and move on. Yeah. Let's celebrate the yeah. weirdness. Thanks, man. Yeah. Thanks, Josh. It was great talking to you. Mandy has a website, mandycanales.com, where you can find the links to her Medium account and other writing. Mandy will be performing Cheerspear at Sketchfest Seattle on Thursday, September 5th in the 830 block, along with Human Tubes. Tickets and more information can be found at sketchfest.org. My first sketch is a Philly Sketchfest production. You can find out more information at phillysketchfest.com. Follow Philly Sketchfest on Instagram at Philly Sketchfest. The music on this episode is by the band Nono, which you can check out at nonoband.bandcamp.com. Like my first sketch on Facebook, follow the show on Twitter, rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. This is Josh Hyam. Thanks for listening. Go see some comedy.